I, I was listening to an interesting um, thing on the radio on my way here. You know, some uh, people were debating, is there a God? Is there no God? Does God exist? Is God this? Is God that? And, and somebody said something very profound. That if not for the fact that God is a constant factor, that no two equations, no equation will work out the same way twice. Two plus two is always two because there's a constant factor. If you remove that constant factor, then two plus two will never be four. So God is a constant. He's the one that holds everything together. And without God, nothing. There's no stability. There's no constancy. So thank God that we have a God that never changes. A God that is ever faithful from generation to generation. He's not concerned about public opinion. God doesn't wake up in the morning and say, what shall I think today? Or who shall I be today? No, God is ever constant, ever true. And those that are rooted in the identity, whose identity is rooted in Jehovah, are ever constant and ever true. Because God never changes. When we're in God, we never change. But if you don't know that, you'll wake up, look in the mirror, and wonder who's looking back at you. Amen? Hallelujah. So I'm going to try and finish what I started on Sunday. Father, help me and help us as we uh, go through this, oh God, that everything will be to your glory and your honor. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. So one, one uh, thing that came back to me, people wanted me to kind of touch on this subject again, and I'll touch upon it. Because I did mention that God deals with us in times and in seasons, okay? That God deals with men in times and in seasons. That's why the, the Bible points out the sons of Issachar. The Bible says they had an understanding of the times, and not just for the sake of understanding, because that understanding then caused them to know what to do in proper season. So an understanding of your season, what season you're in, what season God has you in, helps to prepare you and position you to appropriately respond to everything that's happening in that season. I tell the story, if you go to a funeral where people are mourning and you start to laugh, laughter is a good thing, but when you laugh out of season, out of place, it becomes a problem. Amen? And so I talked about the, based on my understanding, there are basically three seasons uh, in my research. You may research and find out more, but this is my opinion. Okay. This is according to Charles D.K. That there are three basic, <laughs> there are three seasons. <laughs> there, are three, there are three seasons. Right? Okay. Somebody, somebody caught on here. Yeah. There are three seasons. As I studied the scripture, there's the season of the Father. And in the season of God the Father, all of the story, the biblical activities and the biblical events were centered around the person of God the Father. So that starts from basically Genesis on through Malachi. And it doesn't say that Jesus wasn't present. So there's something that's called a Christophany. That's an appearance of a pre-incarnate Christ. And so even in the season of the father, you had the uh, presence of the son. Like the, I told you, the children of uh, uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the burning furnace. The Bible says that there was a fourth person in the fire, and that was like the son of God. 
uh, Bible scholars believe that that was a Christophany, the angel that wrestled with Jacob. In fact, they, there's, uh, some people suggest that the, uh, when, when it says God came down in the cool of the evening to spend time with Adam, that that was Jesus. Okay, so, but the essence of the story in that season was about what God did, what God said, and how God acted. And then that season kind of yielded to the season of Jesus Christ. The Bible tells us in John 1, 1 that in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. It says, through him all things were made, and without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of men. It said, we have seen his glory. It said, the Word became flesh and dwelt amongst us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son, who came from the Father, full of grace. So, basically, the word that was uh, pre-incarnate became incarnate in the person of Jesus Christ. So, all of the stories in the gospel, if you read them about what Jesus began to teach and to do, all of those stories focused around the life of Jesus. And so, that was the season of Jesus. If you wanted to understand what, what God was doing, you needed to look at Jesus Jesus said, I do nothing except that which I see my father do. And I, see no, I say nothing except that which I hear my father say. So if you wanted to know what God was doing at any point in time, you needed to look at Jesus Christ. If you were looking elsewhere, you may find God, but he's not Jehovah of heaven. Okay? Because Jesus said, my meat is to do my father's will. And so that season of Jesus kind of transition. Upon his uh, crucifixion, his death, his burial, and his resurrection. And you notice, because Jesus himself says, uh, when he was uh, preparing um, his disciples for his departure, he had a discussion with them in John chapter 14. He was telling them, was beginning to prepare them for what was going to happen to him when he got into Jerusalem. And they were heartbroken, and they were forlorn. He said, look, don't, don't be uh, heartbroken. In fact, you should be re rejoicing that I am living. And this is what he says to them. In John 14, starting from uh, 16 to 17, he says, And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to be with you forever, the Spirit of truth. The world cannot receive him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you do know him, for he abides with you and will be in you. And so... Jesus tells them that it's better for you that I go. Because if I don't go, the Spirit will not come. He said, but when I'm gone, I'll send you the Spirit. So why is that critical? Because now we're living in the season of God, the Holy Spirit. So we're now, what, what, whatever God is going to do, whatever God is going to say, whatever God is going to whisper to anyone, it is by His Spirit. So if you want to hear God, you need to listen to the Spirit of God. The Bible tells us that as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the true sons of God. So God is leading men by His Spirit now. My preaching is by the Spirit of God. Your hearing is by the Spirit of God. When we lead people to salvation, it is by the Spirit of God. The grace of God that we received is by the Spirit of grace. So everything God is doing in this time and in this season is by His Spirit. If you're not keyed into the Spirit, you may miss what God is doing in this season. So that's why it's important that you understand what season you're in. And by the way, 
we are in a better place. And I know, yeah, it was great. I'm, I'm, I would have loved to see Jesus. But Jesus said himself that greater works that I have done will you do because I go to the Father. What was going to happen when he went to the Father? He will send the Holy Spirit down. Jesus was called Emmanuel. Emmanuel means God with us. But Jesus was telling us, I don't know about you, God with us is good, but God in us is better. So God with us played his part, and God with us took his place in glory. Now God is in us, because the work we have to do, the work the Lord has given to us, is not something we can do by our own abilities. God has to be working in us. God has to be dwelling in us. In fact, we have a double, God is not only with us now, but God is in us. And I'll take God in me anytime. Because what God has called us to do will require that we do it by the ability of God. That is why you have the Spirit of God in you. I have the Spirit of God in me. She has the Spirit of God. The believer in Nigeria has the Spirit of God. Think about the multiplied power of God that is released upon the earth. When the Bible talks about greater things, that's what he's talking about. Because it's not a few people doing the work anymore. It's God working through a multitude of people. And so that's why you need to recognize. I, when I got saved, because I, 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 I was a Catholic for all my life. In fact, I was born, bred, buttered, baptized, immersed, everything in the Catholic Church. I was, a through, I was telling my story to, I think, uh, one of our, our mommies here. So my life as a Catholic, I was a devout Catholic. Let me tell you what my devotion was. So Monday through Friday, I will live like the devil's son. Saturday morning, I will go and do my, uh, my uh, confession. Yes, and then I'll lock myself in my room till I can go do communion on Sunday. And once I've done my communion, liberty at last. I go back to Monday living how I want. So I was, I was, I was raised in that kind of uh, theology, not understanding that God, in fact, wanted to use me for something. The only people God could use were the priests and the uh, altar boys. and all. Of, in fact, at one time I was considering becoming an altar boy. But some of it was something I got from my mother. My mother loved God. She wanted to serve God. In fact, she was training to be a uh, reverend sister, a nun. And then she ran into this wascally man called my father. <laughs> and then in the one year, because apparently when you go through that thing, you have to go one year and live in the world. After you've lived in that one year, then you come back. You, that's, when you, that's the acid test. If you've, if you've kind of made it through that one year, then they, they'll kind of consecrate you or whatever you did. But it was in that one year where she was out, kind of living like normal people, that she met my dad. And boom, went her, um, her calling or whatever it was. But I knew my mom always had an affection for God because she knew there was some emptiness into, in the Catholic Church at which somebody had gone to preach to her because somehow she ended up with the Jehovah's Witnesses. And she was a devout Jehovah's Witness. Very devout. Because she was seeking God. But seeking God in the manner. I wish somebody had gone out and reached to her. And so in my family today, I am saved. My older sister is saved. 
Several members of my family are saved. Why? And we're pursuing God. Why? Maybe because God is trying to um, uh, birth that thing that he had placed in my mother. But I realize that it's not by my own might that will do it. Uh, actually, let me not uh, get too far from here. But anyway, so God is, um, God is working in these days by the power of his spirit. And so if you need to catch what God is doing, you need to be tapped into the spirit. We can't take this Holy Spirit for granted. If we, in these days that are evil, what will set a, help us to overcome is the spirit of God dwelling in us. I was telling the story of when I first got into the United States. I, my sister wasn't going to the church at the time. And I knew I couldn't just sit home on a Sunday. So I was looking for some place to go to. I didn't have a car. I didn't know my way around. But my sister had run into this couple. And um, apparently I tried to take her to church. It didn't work. But when I came, uh, came to the United States, she says, well, there's a couple. They are Christians. And they, they, they will probably come take you to church. So this couple started taking me to church. But the more I went to that church, the more uncomfortable I felt. Because I had enough Holy Spirit in me in terms of my discipleship coming out of Christ's uh, chapel. In, I, I knew, I heard what they were preaching. And most of it sounded right, but it didn't sit well in my spirit. And I felt most uncomfortable. But these people would love the socks off of me. Now I know in terms of my, my geography, you know. Apparently, they used to come all the way from down 316 in Lawrenceville to come to Norcross about Jimmy Carter to pick me up to go to church with them in downtown Atlanta where we used to meet. And then they would take me back home with, with them to Lawrenceville. I'll eat with them and then they bring me back to Norcross. These people loved me like I'd never seen love before. And so when I knew that this wasn't the right place, how did I know? Because the Spirit of God with me wouldn't give me peace. I knew I had to cut away from these people. What really sealed it for me was they asked me, well, have you been baptized? I said, yes, I was baptized in uh, Unilag by the uh, ocean there. Yes. <laughs> uh, and uh, they said, well, since you have been baptized, have you ever thought a bad thought? I said, okay, on which day of the week? <laughs> or have you done something? He said, yeah, well, then your, your salvation wasn't genuine. So the only valid salvation was when you were saved in their church, you were baptized in their church, and you were discipled in the church. Otherwise, you weren't a believer. And I knew that was error. Why am I telling you the story? It was the Holy Spirit that kept me from falling. And it... There are all kinds of doctrines that are coming up these days. There are all kinds of things. I mean, they, apparently the gentleman that was uh, one of the lead songwriters for Hillsong United has decided he doesn't believe in God anymore. He's walked away. And so we're living in times. The Bible says the enemy goes around like an angel of light. And so if you're not discerning, not all light is light and not all truth is truth. If you're going to stand in these days, you better have enough of the Holy Spirit in you because circumstances and situations are going to place a demand on that Holy Spirit just for your own stability. How about for the work that God has called you to do? The Bible tells us it is not by power, it is not by might because the arm of the flesh cannot accomplish spiritual things. I tell people that 
I never argue with any person when I'm trying to minister to somebody to lead them to the Lord. I never argue. It's not an argument for me. It is a work of the Holy Spirit. Unless the Spirit draws them, you can talk from now to you're blue in the face. You can be as eloquent as your most eloquent speaker. Because I've learned this truth that anything you argue somebody into, somebody else can argue them out of. But when the Holy Spirit does a work of conviction in you, you own that experience. And nobody can take your experience from you. And so in these days, the Bible says men are going to gather up to them people, uh, people with itchy ears. And they will tell themselves what they want to hear to make them happy. I told you the story. Okay, I didn't tell you the story. But there's this, um, for those of you that know this TV program, uh, The Bachelor and The Bachelorette. There's a lady that was the bachelorette in this season. Apparently, she was a Christian. Apparently, she said she was a Christian. And so there was another guy, a bachelor, was a believer. So they thought they had a connection. They had the same faith foundation. And then fast forward into the program. Apparently, this girl that was a Christian had kind of slept with four guys in the show. Yeah? Is that her name? Okay. I say, I don't know. <laughs> well, the, the guy that, that, she, that was a believer apparently said, how can you live like this? And she went after him, that she's living under grace, and that uh, because she's under grace, she can live however, however she wants, and that the guy shouldn't judge her. And I, I'm saying that's not what grace is. That's not what grace is. But if you, if you check the, the, the demographics of people that watch this thing, they're your millennials. They buy these things. They believe these things. And so they hear grace, and they think that's what grace is, and they excuse and a license to live how they want. That's not right. And how do you know that? By the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God tells me, I hear this thing. This thing doesn't sit right with me. It doesn't sit right with me. What is prompting you? The Holy Spirit of God in you. I, I've told the story ad nauseum of how, what God has done with us as, as we've gone into the mission field. And I want to tell you this. I want to challenge you, those of you that are sitting in this room. As long as you're content sitting in this room, you'll never see God in all of his manifestations. It wasn't until I stepped out of my comfort zone. Let me tell you, this, you know, Peter, we talk about Peter. Peter was hot-headed. Peter was a very impulsive kind of guy, you know. He was the guy that took out the sword and cut off the uh, man's ear. But uh, he was the same guy that denied Jesus. But of all, for all of his impulsiveness, Peter had an experience with God that none of the other disciples had. See, while all of the disciples were comfortable to sit in the boat, they didn't want to rock their world. Peter, because of his impulsive nature, is the only one of them that experienced walking on water. His story was different. Every person was content with the usual, ordinary story. We were sitting in the boat and the boat rocked us. Peter can tell a story that I walked on water. How did he do that? Because at the word of Jesus, he was willing to step out of that boat. I never knew that God would speak to me in terms of words of wisdom until I was in front of a woman that needed it. A demonstration of the word of wisdom. Because it was the word of wisdom spoken in that instant that broke the uh, back of the enemy over her life. I, we know God can heal. But it wasn't until my stomach started to act up. I laid hands on my own stomach. 
and God did a miracle. I said, this thing is true. It is true. So I'm challenging you. Sometimes you have to get out of the boat of your comfort. You need to step out because God says, just at the word of Jesus, at thy word, Lord Jesus, step out. Because if you do that, you will experience God in a dimension that you never knew was possible. You look at yourself and say, little me, how can God use someone like me? Yes, God, because God has invested his grace and his spirit upon you. You need to make a demand on that spirit. If God is God, let's serve him. It's not your reputation you're trying to... You don't try and defend God's reputation. God can answer for himself. Just do what he has asked you to do. Amen? And God will never call us to an assignment and leave us without help. Moses was a man that had a similar ministry to what we had. He was called to deliver those that were in bondage, just like you and I called. What, who did God give him? God gave him help in the person of Aaron. And Aaron is a type of the Holy Spirit. Abraham, God gave him a helper. God has given us a helper for the work that he has called us to do, the Holy Spirit. And why do we need the Holy Spirit? I'm going to kind of uh, speak through this. There, there is, oh, by the way, I, I did say something. I said the book of Acts was my favorite book in the Bible. Because it, it's in the book of Acts that you see the, the, the Holy Spirit play out. The ministry of the Holy Spirit play out. Because most of the stories in the book of Acts was really a story about, about what the Holy Spirit was doing. In fact, I think that the title of the book is a misnomer. It's called the Acts of the Apostles. But it's really not the Acts of the Apostles. It's the Acts of the Holy Spirit working through the Apostles. Because every deed they did, they did by the power of the Holy Spirit. Everything they touched, they touched by the power of the Holy Spirit. Was it eyes that were open? It was the, by the way, here's what happens when the Holy Spirit comes into a man. Think about Peter. Okay, was it Peter and Silas going to the temple to pray, as was their custom, up until the day of Pentecost? The Bible says there was a man that sat there every day begging for arms. So if Paul, if, uh, Peter and Silas were devout as they were, they probably went to that uh, um, uh, temple. Do you know how many times they passed this guy? going in and out of the temple, devout men. But the Holy Spirit hit them. After Pentecost came upon them, suddenly they, their eyes saw differently. Their ears heard differently. Their hearts sensed differently. They saw this man sitting in this place. And they said, look, if this thing is true, let us put it to the test. They looked at the man, this man that they'd walked by a thousand times before, but something about the Holy Spirit grabbed him and grabbed them. And says, silver and gold we have not. But in the name of Jesus Christ, rise up and walk. That was what created the revival in the town. What revival is waiting for you to step out in faith and act? The reason we don't is where, well, what will people say? What if this? What if that? What if, what if it turns out, what if it plays out like God has intended for it to play out? Why do we always think about what if it does not happen? What if it does happen? So let, let's, if God is God, let's believe him. Let's take him at his word. Amen? Let's step out in faith. Because God has not given us his Holy Spirit in vain. 
God knows that we have a work to do. And God is not a, uh, a general that sends out his soldiers and infantry without equipment. We need the Holy Spirit because we have a work to do. The arm of the flesh cannot accomplish it. Jehovah Jireh, we call Jehovah the, my provider. That's actually a misinterpretation of that name. Jehovah Jireh actually means the God that makes provision in advance of the need. Because that name was an, describes an encounter that Abraham had with God when he had gone to uh, offer his son as a sacrifice. So first of all, he obeyed God. He went to the mountain. Think about what Abraham must have gone through. This child that he had, ha he had waited for, for 90 years of his life. Think about what was going... Again, I have a wife that I love, okay? She's had three children. I imagine if I took one of my children to go offer as a sacrifice, especially a child that we had after waiting, I would come back to the house a dead man. So think about all of the turmoil that was going on in Abraham's mind as he took this child, this child of promise. As a matter of fact, Sarah sent away a child because of this child. Because if you think about the, the uh, Jewish law and customs then, Sarah's maid could have a son with Sarah's husband, and that son would be Sarah's. So Ishmael was in fact Sarah's son. And so for Isaac, Sarah sent away her son. Now, this was the same son that he was going to go and... So imagine the turmoil that was going up in this man's mind. Do you think God didn't know? There was already a ram waiting for him. And so when the Bible says Jehovah Jireh, what happens that this man stepped out in obedience to God. And when he did, God had already made provision for his obedience in advance of his... Look, God asked him for Abraham, but God did not... Uh, for Isaac, but God did not require Isaac of him. God wanted to see, will this man obey me? And, and, and maybe God is waiting for us to say, oh, my reputation is not important to me. My prestige is not important to me. That the, that the calling of God upon my life is more important to me. And if God says this, I will do it. At least I will dare to believe him and dare to step out in faith. Because that's where the miracles are. The miracles are not sitting comfortable in your, comfortable, in your comfort zone. The miracles are where you step out and dare God. Because that's where God shows up. So I, I want to challenge us. Look, begin to put a demand on your faith. Begin to stretch yourself. Begin to ask yourself, Okay, if this God is, if these are the times, these are the seasons of the Holy Spirit, let the Holy Spirit lead and guide you. Don't let your intellect, your wisdom, your uh, human experiences, human experiences are a good thing, but they will lead you astray. Your intellect is a good thing. God gave it to you, but your intellect is not your God. The Bible says we should no longer be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of our mind. When the Holy Spirit comes into you and he begins to renew your mind, you begin to see differently. You begin to hear differently. You begin to talk differently. You begin, look, we can't live God's life by our own means. Only God can live his life in us by his means. That's why it is better that he's in, in us than with us. Amen? We need the Holy Spirit because we're, God has called us to do a mighty work in this land. God wants to use every single one of us. 
when the Bible says that uh, it, uh, uh, God asked Adam to go forth and multiply and increase and subdue the earth, he was talking about you and I. Godly seed all over the earth, filled with the seed of God, the Holy Spirit, doing the work of God wherever he has called us. God was talking about us. We need the Holy Spirit because we have a work to do and we need help. We need the Holy Spirit because our ministry requires power. First Thessalonians 1.5 says, Paul says, Our gospel came to you not only in word, but also in power in the Holy Spirit and with full conviction. We need the Holy Spirit because our ministry requires boldness and courage. In 2 Timothy verse 1, 7, 8, the word of God says, God did not give us a spirit of timidity, but the spirit of power and love and of self-control. Why do we need power? Not so that we can brag about how much power we have. We need power because there's power that needs to be demonstrated, that there are forces that are, that are pushing back against the will of God, and they need a demonstration of God's power. Just like Moses needed to show Pharaoh's uh, magicians that Jehovah is the great I am that I am. So Pharaoh came with his army. Pharaoh came with his uh, magicians and their snakes. God's, Pharaoh, God's work, God's rod uh, Moses, in Moses' hand turned around and... Div- so there are people that are going to challenge you. There's going to be a demonstration of power. But you step up not because you want to brag about yourself. God shows up and demonstrates power because some people need power before they can believe. Our ministry requires wisdom. In Acts 6, verse 9, the Bible says, Now Stephen, a man full of God's grace and power, performed great wonders and signs among the people. Opposition arose, however, from members of the synagogue of the freedmen, as it was called, Jews of Cyrene and Alexandria, as well as the provinces of Cilicia and Asia, who began to argue with Stephen. Here's where I'm going. It says, but they could not stand up against the wisdom the Spirit gave him as he spoke. We need wisdom. And the wisdom will have to come from the Spirit. Amen? And what is the result of this? When you read uh, down in Acts, it, it, it was said of these people that these people have turned the world upside down. They looked at these people. They said, and these ordinary men, but they took notice that they had been with Jesus. We have been with Jesus. We need to step up. We need to step out. If God is God, let us believe him. If the spirit is the spirit, let him lead us into the places that he wants to use us. If we do that, we'll encounter and experience God in a dimension that when you come back and tell your story, it becomes not something you read in a book or something you heard from somebody. It becomes the testimony of your own life. You can then tell your children and your children's children, see how God used me in my generation. See how God can use you in your own generation because it's the Lord, it does not change. That's the story that's going to keep our children in this generation because the world is trying to get them. The world is trying to tell them a different story, but they need to hear a counter-narrative that God is still God. God still works in the affairs of men. God still uses natural, everyday people to do extraordinary, supernatural things if you step out and believe him in faith. That's the story God wants you to tell. Amen? Hallelujah. Let us pray. Father, we bless you. We thank you for your spirit, O God. For we recognize that apart from you, we can do nothing. 
but by you and in you we can do all things. And so thank you, my Father, this evening. Thank you that you pour out the measure of your spirit. You have poured out the measure of your spirit upon your people in this place, O oh God. Now, Father, stir us up by that spirit so that we can step out in faith, O oh God Almighty, and do exceedingly great wonders in your name because the world is waiting for the manifestation of the sons of God. In Jesus' name I pray. Hallelujah.